Welcome back. I am so excited that you have joined me again in the Aligned Womb, Aligned You podcast. I'm Kate Nagai, and I am your host and womb guide on this journey. I'm here to help you to lean into the language of your menstrual cycle so that you can align yourself and awaken and activate to your womb wisdom to live the most inspired life. I am so excited to jump into this episode and to dive into today's topic. So let's get started. I am so excited to have Hannah Brown joining us again. She is a returning guest. If you missed it, you'll want to go back a few episodes, probably two months ago when she was on and we talked all about mothers, daughters, puberty, perimenopause. And today we're even going to dive into dads and men when it comes to understanding our cycle and why it's so potent and powerful for these male figures in our life to understand our cycle, our daughter's cycle, and how we can work so much more cohesively together in a home. If everyone starts charting our cycle or living in alignment with our cycle. So in case if you don't know, Hannah Brown is a cycle coach and a social worker. Her passion is to provide support to menstruators to help them reconnect and reclaim their cycle, as well as coach women on how to support children as they prepare for their cycles to begin. As a mom to a daughter who has now entered puberty and as a woman in perimenopause, she's beginning to dive deep into understanding the trends between these two big transitions and how as a family, we can all work together to create a menstrual friendly home or a period positive mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. So welcome, Hannah. I am so excited to have you on here. I always love talking to you and I cannot wait to dive into this conversation. Oh, thanks, Kate. That was a lovely introduction. And thank you for having me back. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to you about this again. I know. And I think this is a really important one because mm-hmm. I think, well, at least in my day, like this was a topic only for mothers and daughters. And even then it was an uncomfortable topic and it wasn't one that was really explored. And my dad never had a part of it. Like I, mm. I, have, a, I have a younger brother and a dad. There's just a family of four of us. And I remember every period feeling so not well feeling shame but also feeling like I had to hide it from the men Mm -hmm. in my house Mm -hmm. of like burying those pads in the bottom of the garbage can so that nobody knew and then you know the week before my period being a little edgy or maybe a lot edgy Mm -hmm. and my dad being like she's gonna get her period any day now and me feeling so embarrassed by it and be like no I'm just having a bad day like I felt like I had to hide my identity in some ways because Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't want the men in my house and I felt like I felt judged and not that they judged me, but even in school, like you didn't want boys to know that you were on your Mm -hmm. period. Like it was just this thing that nobody could know about. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. And I feel like it has to be different. It has to be different. Mm -hmm. I am determined to make it different Mm -hmm. for my daughters. Mm -hmm. I hear you. And like, I, yeah, I think that kind of cultural shift is, it takes a while. It's not, it, it just doesn't happen overnight, does it? Um, no, but I hear you on that kind of there's a sense that like somehow we need to protect men or protect males from from this thing, isn't it? That that mm-hmm. that they can't really know the truth. And there's this kind of it is shame, but it's the taboo and the stigma and the, all of those things. But I think it is I think it is slowly changing. But you're right. How how we change this narrative and shift shift the kind of the conversation is from home you know you've got to start at home and um 
yeah, I'm really interested in how the kind of conversations and the beliefs that that we absorb um, or, or the kind of lack of conversations, the lack of talking about stuff affects how we feel about our cycles and how we feel about our bodies and how we feel about ourselves mm-hmm. um, and how we can kind of change the things we can do. They're like quite practical, sometimes quite simple things that we can do in our homes, particularly if we have if we live with males yeah. <laughs> or, or people who don't have periods, you know? Um, and I think, yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, my experience, which I think I, you know, I mentioned when we last spoke, but about my daughter having just started her periods. And actually it's really funny. I was talking to somebody else about this the other day, but when she started her actual bleed a couple of months ago, um, I wasn't there. And so her dad did ha- did have to help her. And interestingly, that's what happened to me. So when I started my bleed, my mum wasn't there and my dad had to deal with it as well. And so I think there's a real opportunity because you don't, we don't know, you know, I don't go out every weekend anymore. Now I'm, now I'm old, (laughs) but um, I, you know, I happened to be out on the night that she started her bleed and, um, but I, it was really lovely. Like my immediate reaction was I wanted to get in the car, like leave the meal I was having with my girlfriends, jump in the car and drive home. And I had to kind of reassure myself that actually her dad knew, knew what to do. And that, that the fact that I um, could trust that he would manage that was really special. You know, I really was thrilled for her actually that it, there wasn't like an awkward, oh my God, this is your mum, quick, come home. This is your mum's job. Because yes. um, I think that, you know, that's crucial. And he did, he was brilliant. And he did then the next day take her out and buy her some earrings to like mark the occasion, Aww. which was really lovely. But yeah, but I'm aware that not everybody has has that experience, like you've said, like your experience. Yeah, it is so true. And, you know, I, I have the Raising Empowered Girls course, which Mm. I'm now recording so that way it's available anytime people need it versus just offering it once or twice a year. Just because after doing it the initial time, I was like, this information is so important. And one of the things I love about it is that there's a whole module for dads. And it's just like a quick summary of short of like, these are the four seasons or the four phases of the cycle. You need to understand them so that you know how to interact with your child. Um, but also how to be that supportive dad when you have to take that role of mom and dad. And this this part of the, the course was so important because a girlfriend of mine reached out to me when I was created in and she was like, listen, I'm divorced and she's there every second week for a full week. And she's getting to that age. And he has no idea what to do. And I want her to feel like she feels safe with her dad. But I want her to feel safe with her dad for this very vulnerable moment if it should happen there. Mm-hmm. And then even if it doesn't happen there initially, but how can he support her on those weeks that when she is on it and she's at her house? Because I also don't want to take that opportunity away from him to create an experience that helps get them closer as well. And so that was the first time that I thought about the fact that, you know what, there's dads that are from divorced homes or, you know, maybe something's happened to mom or mom's in a hospital or whatever the case might be. And dad has to pick up those pieces and how 
like flipping the script and looking at it from their perspective, mm-hmm. how it must feel to feel like I have no idea because this has never happened to my body before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so how can we prepare them so that they feel confident, that they don't feel awkward, and plus how they can really give that beautiful support to their daughters? Because I think it's so important mm-hmm. that they have a resource. And let's be honest, men have not been taught, at least none of them I know, about a woman's cycle and understanding it. Hell, I didn't even understand my cycle until I went through fertility challenges to realize there was more than ovulation in a period. So like, I just think there's so much beautifulness in understanding your own cycle and then getting your partner to understand it. Mm. And then when you have daughters, I I do not think that it's uh, an accident that I had two girls and then a little boy, like, especially because I'm on the journey that I am now of struggling with fertility, learning about my cycle, being so inspired by how much we can alter our health and our wellness and our well-being by knowing our cycle, that it was like, my daughters are always going to know this, but if my daughter's going to know it, my husband has to know it. And then my son, he's going to have to know it because we are very much a period vocal open household (laughs) here here I love that have you have you run that bit of the course then the module for dads yet I ran it once yes yes and did you and you had some dads uh well none of them attended live so but they had a pre-recording so we'll see I keep test driving things on my husband though (laughs) Mm, that's a really good idea well because I was thinking about this recently it's like how do you get to the how do you get to the dance because it's quite hard to even get to to get to the women because you don't know what you don't know you know you and I have both arrived at the same place from going on personal journeys and then Mm -hmm. suddenly going how did we not know this about our own bodies Mm -hmm. so how do you like it's a challenge I find anyway to like um get other other menstruators to understand the like magic that's hidden yeah but so then so it's a bigger challenge in lots of ways isn't it to then yes bring the men on board in this course that was one of the things that I was worried about is like are they going to attend live and you know running it the first time it was like a it was a trial to see how it was going to go and yeah as predicted I did not have any that attended live but Mm. that was one of the things that really spurred me in wanting to make it a pre-recorded course was because Mm -hmm of that, that uncomfortableness for some men. Mm. Now, however, she did have some male friends who are single dads who she told about, and they were like, yeah, we totally want to learn this, but we don't want to learn all of it. We don't want to learn the women's stuff. Like in the other three modules, we just want to learn the module for Mm -hmm. dads. And I'm like, but that you're missing the point too, because you have Mm. to understand the cycle and Mm. the other modules will also about like how to support them when they're in pain or what does heavy bleeding mean? And so like, as a dad, you should also know more than just the seasons if you can, especially if you're solo parenting. Mm. So, um, mm. so that's the next big thing is I really have to work on how to sell it to dads of all of it is important. Not just your little cheat sheet of mm. like, tell mm. me the script of what I should say on this day. <laughs> but I guess that's how it starts, isn't it? That that, yeah. that once you kind of have start having those conversations then the seeds are being sown. Mm-hmm. And what what I've been wondering about recently, and I think it's wonderful that you're doing this and offering this, by the way, Kate, I think it's really necessary. But I was thinking, you know how, like, um, we hate mansplaining. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody, that all women that I know have been mansplained to. 
Um, and I was thinking, God, actually, what we want to avoid is doing it the other way around yes. and being like a woman-splaining. I mean, even if, I don't even know if that's a thing, maybe it isn't, but like, I'm conscious of who is the right person to deliver this. And I think I don't think that it has to necessarily be men or males, but, and like, I'm not, I'm not, I've, I've half considered like approaching my partner and saying, do you want to come and like help me do something for, for dads? And I think he's, that's not really on his, uh, it's not on his to-do list, Kate, and fair. Yeah. Like, I think he's like, listen, we have to talk about periods all the time anyway. Could we just, could we just have a break? I'd be like, please. Yeah. Um, but I wonder, like, I don't know if there are any men mm-hmm. or um, people who don't have periods doing this work, because yeah. actually in lots of ways, I think they would be really well placed to, um, to have those conversations and to say, listen, you know, this is really important and this is why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know, the, I don't know the answer. I don't know if there are any people doing that already, and I don't know if that's necessary. But I think it's an interesting question. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm reading a book right now by Miranda Gray on, mm-hmm. oh, what was it called? Why can't I think of the title now? It's anyways, it's for moms or caregivers to okay. girls. And it's a really great little book. I'm halfway through it. But one thing she shares right in the beginning, which goes to what you're talking to, is she said, don't learn this so you can tell your daughter where she's at in her cycle. Learn this so that way you can be curious and be an investigator to observe where she's Mm. at. And then to have an idea in your own head so that you can help guide her, but still allow her to have mm. the opportunity to discover her own cycle and ask mm. you for aid or assistance when mm. she needs it. Cause she said in there, nobody likes being told, are you in your follicular phase? Are you, mm. are you PMSing? And mm. so I, I think that's the other thing that we have to look at with dads is that we need to give them the information so that they can become investigators and observers mm but take the lead from their teens and just have it in the back. And I like how she wrote it. And I don't know specifically how she wrote it there, but it was like, you know, if you see something that may look like one of the phases, that's pretty Mm -hmm. clear cut to you, you just shift your behavior or the way you communicate or your expectations, knowing that that's where you predict she might be at, but Mm -hmm. don't tell her necessarily Mm -hmm. that that's where she's at unless Mm -hmm. she asks for it. I love that. I think that's really clever. And it makes me think about it. It links to some social work stuff that I've been talking about recently in terms of that co-investigative approach Mm -hmm. that with children that we, um, it links to what we were saying in that little chat we had before we started, Kate, about that kind of role of expert, that I think that adults think that they need to know all of the things and that actually in terms of role modeling, like to role model that we're fallible humans who don't know yeah. is really important actually. And so, yeah, that kind of, that ability to say, I don't really know, should we find out together? Mm-hmm. And to, to kind of take the lead in that co-investigatory approach, I think is a really powerful one. And particularly to avoid that mansplaining thing, because you don't want people to just go right I'm going to learn the facts and I'm going to tell you what I know about the, the menstrual cycle you're right it's the curiosity to I think that maybe I really like the word curiosity and I wonder whether that's 
a helpful approach is that how can you create a period curious or menstrual curious environment in your home actually that that we're all just going to get curious about it about you know like yesterday um my daughter I knew she was in her autumn and she was so like <laughs> she wouldn't do anything and when I said we were going for a walk she was like gave me daggers it was like <laughs> it's like yeah. I suggest, suggested she went down a mine it was like uh but actually we were able to then say um oh babe I think you know you are in your autumn maybe you're just feeling a bit blah and we had a yeah. chat about it at the table um and actually that it does change it doesn't it rather than yeah. me telling her yeah saying, you're feeling like this I think I do do a little bit of that as well to be honest I think we all do as <laughs> mothers. again human yeah <laughs> um and I yeah I mean and I also do I'm also mindful of not wanting to paint this picture that I've kind of got it all cracked because um I certainly haven't but I think it's it's yeah it's it's having that openness isn't it and having that curiosity um it's you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of and I don't know if you guys have this where you live in your part of the world but I know for like here 14 year olds that's when they get their learner's license to drive a vehicle and you usually mm. take a course with a driver in one of those cars that the the teacher has the brake on their side too mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what it mm-hmm. kind of feels like when you're navigating mm. this is like you're like okay well I want you to drive this car but yeah. when I get worried or when I think I know best I'm going to slam on the brakes and take over control because I don't trust you yet <laughs> it's what it kind of feels like when it comes to helping them figure out their menstrual cycle. And I think in some ways it's the same with the men is that it's us some ways putting the brakes on for them or telling them how it has to be versus letting them explore. But in order to be able to explore, you have to be open to wanting Mm. to know the information, Mm -hmm. which is why I think it's so important for me. Like one of the, the three reasons why I think it's so important for dads to know this stuff is one, you are able to hold the space for your daughter to create her own identity, right? And by you being able to see that she's four different versions of herself Mm -hmm. and being able to interact with all four of them versus, Mm -hmm. and I think we get stuck like this as parents sometimes of, I want you to be this mold, right? And I think this is our society. It's like, we want you to be this way. We want you to be a doctor and you're going to have these credentials, right? Like we, we fit you into a certain little pocket and you're not allowed to explore beyond that. And this creates a window when we look at the cycle of seeing our daughters as four different versions and then meeting her there and challenging mm-hmm. ourselves to grow as a human being, to be able to be adaptable, to meet someone in four different spaces, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. The second one is that you remove the shame and the stigma mm. around the cycle when dads get involved because then it's no longer a woman's problem. This is a human life problem. This is an anatomy issue. This is us just talking about bodies, talking about health, wellness, right? And so we take away some of the sharpness that I think a lot of us have felt growing up, at least in my generation, of that this was a private issue. It's not a private issue. Mm-hmm. half the population bleeds like it's just mm-hmm. it's something that we have no control over right it is mm-hmm. and yes maybe to a degree it's a private issue but it's also an issue that if you wish not to be private it shouldn't have mm-hmm. to be private because mm-hmm. it's, there's no disgust behind it it just is mm-hmm. what it is so you remove some of that shame and then the third biggest reason is i think like this is the biggest bs radar ever, radar ever 
is when dads start interacting with their daughter as cyclical humans, we teach them what good men can do. We teach them how, you know, the, the husband or the partner that they're calling in is one that wants to meet them in a relationship with who they are <laughs> in all of their phases versus feeling like they have to hold on to that shame, feeling like they have to hide parts in themselves, feeling like they're dirty or that they have to conform in some way. I really truly believe that this is how we start to crack some of the codes is by having the males so involved in their daughter's lives post-puberty versus mm. just when they're little. Mm. I love that. I love everything that you've just said there, Kate. And the resilience piece as well, like that really, really, I loved that. Like that really resonated with what you were saying about the, all the parts of you, because that's the bit, isn't it? That when you have the opportunity, like we have to an extent to reclaim all of the bits of you, that that's so empowering. But actually, if you can do that, if you're supported to do that from, from a child, I mean, it's like, it blows my mind to even think about the kind of generation of children that we could be raising who feel like all those bits of them are valid. So the snappy, yeah. introverted, quiet, reserved, angry, bits that we have spent a lot of I certainly and I'm fairly confident that you felt the same that you have to we've had to hide and swallow down because it's not palatable that if all of those parts are celebrated then I mean you are just you're describing the world that I want to live in and relighting my fire well <laughs> and that I, is so powerful isn't it it's it such is. a powerful idea that not only it's it's not only about accepting your own the, all the parts of you in terms of your own identities mm -hmm. but have somebody else fully accepting that as well I mean that's like well I think even as a woman now whose cycle has figured itself out for the most part mm -hmm. it's starting to shift mm -hmm. in perimenopause but <laughs> um it had figured itself out mm -hmm. was that it taught me how predictable I was and why, and that I could feel things, right? That it was okay to feel things and it was okay to have boundaries and it was okay to not want to do certain things at certain times, right? It, it really, it was a guide for me to know me better. And I think when I reflect back on my teenage years, my gosh, like the emotional roller coaster sometimes between like not feeling like my friends liked me anymore, um, which really was probably just me being a little bit more sensitive and overreading everything because we were still friends. Like it was like, like I took in things. And I think when we don't understand why we're feeling or we have a guide to being like, this is only temporarily, we allow those emotions or those feelings to imprint deeper into us and take over as part of our identity. So rather than mm -hmm. seeing ourselves as, you know, just being premenstrual and worn out or tired or exhausted and having the demands of that, I'm supposed to do these chores, but I don't really want to. And so I'm feeling a little rage that now mm -hmm. all of a sudden we call that as part of our identity is that we're always difficult to deal with. Like, why are you such a difficult teenager <laughs> versus being like, this is not the season for this to happen. Maybe we just give some forgiveness because now I know my body and I know that I don't cook or clean during my period. I, I really, 
have no desire. And so to expect our daughters to just push through and do things as well. And don't get me wrong. We need to push sometimes when it's not a psycho related. <laughs> we still have to like have a healthy we life to show up and do, do the yes. things. <laughs> but when but we with under- more grace, yeah, yes. with more grace for ourselves yeah. and an understanding of where we're at. And that's, that's the difference, isn't it? Such a difference, such a difference. And I just shared on my Instagram last week, cause I just finished my period, you know, for me, one of the biggest ways to show me love when I'm bleeding is to do the things I don't want to do right now. We're in the dead of winter and I don't like filling up my car. I will be that person that runs it to two kilometers until empty. <laughs> I am so thankful that vehicles now have that little dial that tells you how many kilometers you have until you're not going to be able to drive your vehicle anymore. <laughs> but I I'm the same. The limit. Push, push, push. I push, hate going push. into the, yeah, I don't want to go in the garage it. and fill it up. I hate it. Hate it. So if you want to do something to show me that you love me, you fill up my car when I'm bleeding. So I don't have to go in the cold and do something mm-hmm. that I hate doing. And mm-hmm. like, it fills my heart so deeply of like, oh, I got into a full tanked car or a full mm-hmm. gassed car. And it just feels so beautiful and so held in those ways. And those are the simple things we can do. Like if we think of a teenager rather than push them to whatever, do whatever it is that they have to do or push during their sporting events or push during their homework versus saying, you know what, you need a night off. Okay. Right. Like it's, it just, it creates flexibility in the world. And I don't think we have enough flexibility in this world sometimes. I could not agree more. And I a hundred percent agree with you about the, I think, um, how do you spot a woman in their forties? Well, they get really turned on by somebody. (laughs) It's like the new kick is if you're going to do something to the car, so I don't have to, and you're going to do that without telling me, and you're going to just tell me you've done it. Oh, I know. Like if my my husband does the same, like if I'm going on a, on a long trip, um, he'll make sure that there's like scream wash. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> he's just filled up the scream wash. Oh, <laughs> like that is so, I'm so here for that. Guess what? It's my birthday this week. To celebrate turning 43, I have two special offers for you. You'll want to click on the link in the show notes below that will get you on my email list so that you are the first to hear about these two special free gifts that I'm giving to everybody who's on my email list and who's interested. So click on the link below and this Saturday, you'll get a special email from me on my birthday offering you these little gifts. I, I put a, I put a post up last week. I was bleeding last week too. I think we maybe we synced. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but I'd he'd he'd cleaned he washed out my period pants, Kate. I did like, see how, this. Did you see it? And I was like, I've got to share this, like because this was such a like revelation to me that I'd thrown them in the I'd thrown them in the shower in the night and intending to be the first one in the shower to wash them out. And um, I didn't, I wasn't. And I was like day two, like bleary. And then suddenly realized that he was in the shower when he popped back with his head around the door and said, I've washed your period pants. And he was really, he was like, took ages because obviously they absorb, they're really good. (laughs) These ones I've got are really good, by the way. They absorb like a lot. So it took him a while. And I was like really shocked that, not shocked, but just like really pleasantly surprised that he'd done that and felt really, I felt quite moved actually that he'd, accepted me in that way to that level that he was gonna you know go out of his way to do this for me I was like wow 
And I shared it with a bit of hesitance because I didn't want to like, I'm really conscious of not being like showy offy. Like, yeah. oh, guess what my husband did? But I wanted it to like spark conversation and to like make people think. And I don't know if you saw, but it did spark some conversations. There was a bit of controversy on that post, which I found fascinating. Oh, really? One person, yeah, one person was commenting saying, oh my God, I can't believe you're getting the fanfare out here. Um, this is basic laundry. Like, it, do you see any blokes posting about how their wives do all the washing? And I was like, oh, I think you've missed the point here. Like, he didn't just throw my pants in the in the washing machine. And actually, he does do most of the laundry anyway. Like, he didn't do that. He literally washed them out. And I found that that was moving. Most people were really supportive. Um, yeah. And like, you know, had a lot of lot of really positive feedback but I found that really interesting in terms of thinking about you know that whole gender do I mean there's a whole other podcast in there isn't there <laughs> in terms of the kind of gender division in terms of um or role how we work out who does what in terms of labor in the house but I just that to me is not just laundry um, no, but it, for me, that was like letting go of the fear around that somehow, and this is my own stuff, I know, of that the blood in those underwear is the sign tainted. Of, of, yes, that it's dirty or that it's like, it's a sign of something that's never supposed to be seen. Like, uh, my husband does not clean my pads, but <laughs> I mean, I didn't know mine did. If, if he is... was to touch my dirty pads to put them in the washing machine, I probably would have been like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Right. And that mm. is not, mm-hmm. that's not a him issue. That's a mm. me issue. Like that mm-hmm. goes down to the core of some of the shame that I still hold, even as a cycle coach, trying to work through that and release that. So my daughters never have to face that where they're like, yeah, it's underwear. He threw it in the washing machine, but I'm not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that he just seen it as a way to help support you. And there was no shame. There was no stigma or stereotype or this is a you thing and this is gross, right? So I think mm. it's and, and I love that he was just so shocked at how, how efficient these pants were. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, they hold a lot. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, but that. it is interesting. But it is, it's, it's, that's the kind of stuff, isn't it? That's, you know, and I'm not saying that. Yeah. Everybody needs to go and make sure that their partners wash their period pants out. Like that's not. It's to watch the small things. It's to watch the small things of how your partner supports you Mm -hmm. as a cyclical bleeding woman. Mine was that he filled up my tank. Yours was Mm. that he cleaned your period panties. Mm. Both cases, we both felt cared for in a week where we actually feel a little bit more vulnerable, right? Where we Mm. feel a little bit more needy and not, and as women, I think we're scared sometimes to ask for that. Like, how can we ask for what we is that we need? And this is what we need to teach our teenage daughters, right? Like, especially in school, how can we set boundaries with authority figures around our cycle? So if there's an expectation that we're supposed to provide this big, amazing presentation for a final grade, I always use this example, but we're on day one of our cycle. Can we set the boundary of like, I can't do this. Can you, can you reassign me in three days? Like, how can we be more open to adjusting and how can, as girls, we be more comfortable in saying, this is what we need to feel supported because I can't, I can't do that. I'm not going to be my most efficient self doing that. So I think it's a bigger message. It's beautiful. It is. You're right. The the permission, the permission to say no, or to say, 
not right now, or that doesn't suit me at the moment. And I think that, that the analogy that I think is really helpful in that part is for, for non-menstruators is the comparison between the 24 hour clock that um, I was talking to somebody about it recently about how, you know, they were scheduling um, when in their cycle they would be best to go on a date mm, okay. and saying that they felt that somehow that was like a bit manipulative uh, in a way. Cause, and I was saying, well, yeah, I can kind of see how you'd think that, but actually you wouldn't choose to go on a date in the middle of the night yeah so in terms of like you picking a time in the month when your energy and you feel good about yourself like it's the same as you wouldn't say oh do you know I'd really uh, oh yes I'd love to come and be interviewed for a job please um let's do half midnight yeah like you just wouldn't do that would you most you know you're going to do it in the morning when you're most perky and you're uh your your cortisol and your adrenaline have kind of risen enough so you can string a sentence together you're not going to do it in the middle of the night it's the same thing isn't it yeah it's funny I always use this example because the male hormonal system resets every 24 hours right mm. and so mm. if you want to look at their cycle and compare it to ours with a 28 day cycle this is the best way that most women and men get it like my husband really kind of caught on when I use this example of like my premenstrual so what you would call my PMS phase mm. is like when you come home from work Mm-hmm. And you're like, I just need, I just need 10 minutes of like, no one bugging me. Cause I just got home from work. I'm just exhausted. I just need to de- decompress for 10 minutes. And then when you can't get that, usually the guy disappears with his phone and his tablet or his laptop to the bathroom and spends 30 minutes in there. And no guy needs 30 minutes to poop. It's, it's, like, it's because he wants to get away from life. He wants to be by himself. And that's what we're asking for mm-hmm. in our premenstrual phase. Because that mm-hmm. happens not at 8 a.m. in the morning. That mm-hmm. happens at that 7 p.m. time when it's just like the world's too much. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go disappear with all of my electronics mm-hmm. and go into the bathroom. Um and so like, this is, my husband's probably gonna kill me for this, but this is probably too much oversharing. But the one day I was like, should we build you like a pooping table in here or something? Because you bring way too much stuff in here to escape your children and me. <laughs> just, like, I feel like you a could just say, door. yeah, you could just say, I need some time on my own. You don't have to hide away. <laughs> but you're right. In the bathroom. <laughs> so you could just stay here for ages. But you're right, it's the same thing. It's the same energy. I think it's really a helpful way, a comparison, isn't it? Yeah. Um, For children as well. guys need that time too. And it's just that Mm -hmm. we need a week of it. We don't need 30 Mm -hmm. minutes. We need a little bit more time. But at least a couple of days. We have, we take a lot longer. So (laughs) I love that. Um, So yes. It was making me think, because I've got, um, I think I I may have mentioned when we last spoke about some workshops that I did in a primary school for for girls yes. in terms of period preparation. Did I tell you that? Well, yeah. I'm going back into the hopefully in in the spring, going back into the same school and doing some for the boys. Oh, um, nice! And it's interesting because I, I thought, oh, I might I might I'll talk to Kate about that actually, because they were both times I did these two workshops for year five and year six girls. So it's between like nine and eleven. I don't know if that's the same. If you yeah. have the same, yeah, okay. Um, the boys weren't there. So they went and did something else. And I just spoke to the girls, which I think is really key and really important. 
mm-hmm. but they were obviously really conscious about the fact that something exciting was happening without them <laughs> and they had questions they had yeah. questions that they wanted to ask um some of them when I did the year six class so the older ones some of them were able to ask the questions to the teacher and they were like invited to do that in a really appropriate way to ask the teacher all the all the girls if the girls felt comfortable to do that but clearly there was like a gap and there was this need so I am going back in um, to speak to the year five and six boys together Mm. and it's going to be really interesting because um, I was thinking oh right maybe I need to adapt the workshop that I do with the girls and um it make it more about you know what what will your experiences as a as a male bodied person be in terms of puberty and what you know what physical changes you're going to be going through and I was thinking but I only have like an hour here and actually yeah I might do a bit of that but I think what I'm going to do Kate is just do the same workshop yeah so instead of saying actually I'm going to do something different here because you're different I'm yeah. going to say this is literally the workshop that I did with the girls and this is how you know I'm going to talk a bit about the hormonal cycles of men versus women and the moon and the sun um but I'm going to just I'm going to talk to them about you know bodily changes in puberty but then I'm going to do the same bit of the workshop with the um you know pretend period blood and the mm-hmm. tampons and all the products and right. and hope that that's going to spark the conversations and the questions from the boys about you know they'll have I just know that they're going to have so many questions and some some will be silly and will be that there's there's a there's an already and they've already picked up that there's this thing this mm-hmm. kind of like secret thing that happens to like secret women's business um so I think it would be it's a really crucial and really important point to have those conversations with boys yeah. when, before they get to secondary school. So I'm really excited about it, but kind of, um, yeah, interested about, or, or curious, I'm cu- curious and open about like which direction to take it, you know? Well, it'd be a good test drive to try it one way. And then if it doesn't work mm-hmm. to try it another way. But mm-hmm. I think the big thing sometimes is just simply, um, like, I, I don't know, I for for the guys I've talked to, it seems to resonate a lot more with them when it comes down to understanding that our cycles are very similar. It's just yours is 24 hours and ours mm, is mm-hmm. 28 days. Because I find that it's so much more digestible for them of like, what happens if we asked you at three o'clock in the morning to do this, right? So rather than it seem, saying that this is unfair, right? Mm. It's unfair that that girls get, I don't know, maternity leaves and menstrual days off of doing chores or whatever like rather than looking at that way going but Mm. that would be like us asking you to do things in the middle of the night and it's just Mm. two different hormonal systems that require Mm. different things so it's not special treatment it's that our bodies completely operate differently Mm. and Mm. for us to be the best versions of ourselves Mm. we really have to be able to honor that Mm. and you know doing a full circle here as well I I, I've seen this pop up a few times on Facebook and then on, I think I just recently seen on Instagram again. And I don't know where the story originated from. I'm sure someone potentially made it up to make it as like a learning moment for people that they just keep now forwarding it on. But it's the story of how a boy or a daughter shares that she was on the bus. And oh, a boy, I've seen it. 
Yeah, the boy sees that she has blood on her pants, so he gives her sweat his sweater to her to wrap around her waist. And whether it's true or not, it doesn't really matter. The beautifulness of it is seeing that someone could protect another one from the outside world of shame or of these things that kind of comes with menstruation sometimes and how we can really be supportive as a community together and work together and to be the change that continues to create the change. And I really think this is beautiful, especially in our household. Like my son is the youngest. And I think that that is the best choice for my reproductive system to decide he was going to be the last one born <laughs> because he's going to have two sisters mm. that he's going to have to learn. From He'll be that age. boy. Mm. Yeah. He'll be that boy on the bus. Well, you know, my daughter's nine right now and he's four. So let's say she starts bleeding next year. She'll be 10. He'll be five. So at five years old, he's going to be experiencing what it means to be respectful and to be supportive of cyclical sisters and of cyclical women like he i don't think he fully understands my cycle yet but he definitely knows that there's times not to push mommy's limits <laughs> um but i think it'll be such a great experience for him to grow up and because i can see him being that boy now right because he's had two sisters where he's had i don't want to say we've trained him but we have encouraged him <laughs> to be supportive and to be nurturing and to see this as something that's a natural process and that something to be respected and mm-hmm. you know it doesn't make his sisters different or less than it just makes them them and mm-hmm. and him being able to be that kind of representation for his friend groups who may not be teaching that in the home like I just think there is an opportunity for so much exposure for him to be part of the change for the men. Mm. Just as I think our husbands are that for, mm. for the older population. Like I'm sure my mm-hmm. husband doesn't go to work and talk about my menstrual cycle with his friends, but I do know that when we go to Christmas parties, it's a 50, 50 opportunity that his wife is going to start talking about menstrual cycles. <laughs> <laughs> and so he can join in. He's well-versed. He just supports it, right? He's like, okay, well, this can go one of two ways tonight, but we'll see how this ends up. Um, so I, I just think that like the more that we expose boys and men to this information and the more mm-hmm. that we see value in it, the more opportunity we're going to create for mm-hmm the bigger change that I think is needed. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's just reminding me of um, a conversation I had with my son who's just eight. And so I think this was last year when he was seven. And it was like, some of my favorite conversations with him are like, you know, when you go to bed and they're meant to be going to sleep. And instead they come up with all of the questions about everything about the world. Like the other night I had a whole one about religion and I ended up like searching what the most popular religions were and anyway this one was about um I think I'd said to him like listen babe I'm like day 27 and when when mommy's day 27 my I have more sensitive hearing so Mm -hmm. like when you shout it like actually hurts my ears so you know can we just talk can we just turn it down and he's quite interested in numbers where he gets that from I have no (laughs) idea but he's like really good at maths like honestly He's not my son in that sense. But so he's like, so if you're day 27 and and how many days do you have your period? And how long is your cycle? And I'm like, well, it's about 30 days. He's like, so does that, so you'll be leading on Tuesday. And he's like, he's really interested in the kind of numbers, like the numberology of menstrual cycles. And then he was asking me, he was like, so 
what is what was your best ever cycle day like which is your favorite day I was like wow uh like I had to really struggle to like think about it it's like oh I think I quite like day kind of 19 20 like just after I've ovulated and just when I'm sinking into like late summer early autumn he's like okay and then he's like well, what was your worst day mum like what's the worst day in your cycle that you've ever had I just like couldn't believe that I was having this like conversation with with him about best and worst days but but I think that it, it's in the fact that he's interested and in that we can yeah. have those conversations is so important to me and like you've said that that's the kind of that's the kind of partner that you'd want your children that your your daughters to have a curious interested accepting um yeah, to have that kind of to have to hold that space for other other girls like whether they're friends partners sisters mothers all of whoever that is it's about honoring and nurturing those significant relationships with menstruators isn't it yes and if, if we want to keep uplifting people to be the best versions of themselves we have to teach them and teach the others in our lives what that might look like and what it is that we need and knowing that it's different and you know it's so interesting because way back in my early 20s, many moons ago, <laughs> um, before I was in a relationship, before I had kids, I traveled a lot. And I remember in particular, there was this one Habitat for Humanity build that I went on where we were building all these houses in El Salvador. And it was a group of nine women and one guy. <laughs> I don't know how this group ever came to be, but one wife brought her husband along and he was the only man. He was the token man on these work sites. But with the habitat builds, you have to build with local people. And so the idea is that we are there to assist them in building these homes. And it was so interesting to watch as women, maybe because we're not in construction, we were so adaptable about, okay, you want to do it this way? We'll just help you. Like, tell us what you want to do and we'll do it. Where for him, it was like, you want me to mix cement? How? Why? This is so inefficient. Can we just not go to a hardware store and get the right supplies? Like, it was so hard. And I remember us all joking about how the biggest lesson we walked away with is that there is a million different ways to do the exact same thing. And sometimes the beauty is stepping back out of how we think it should be done and experiencing it through someone else's eyes of how they would like it done or how they have done it. Because even if it may not be the most efficient, mm. there is a lesson to be learned there or there is a, a gift in there. Like there was a gift in how they did things versus how us North Americans rush through things and try to get productivity as number one versus missing the bigger lessons or the experience of connection or mm. that it worked for their environment, <laughs> not mm. necessarily for our weather. Um, mm. And so I always reflect back on that when it comes to the menstrual cycle and girls and boys mm. and men is that there is a million different ways how we can be successful in society. But there's also some beauty layered in there if we can step back out of our own set ways and see it from someone else's eyes mm -hmm. and give it an experience of how they could do it. Cause maybe they could be just as productive if we didn't force our ideals on them. Right. And so if I tried to make my husband live by a 28 day cycle of how he did things, <laughs> it probably would not work well, <laughs> but having men try to make me conform into a, you know, 24 hour clock doesn't also work well. <laughs> so, mm. um, 
I think there's just a really beautiful lesson sometimes when we step back and that's what we need to teach our youth. That's what we need to teach the boys and the men is that this may seem so out of the box and it's never going to work, but don't say that until you try it. Right. Mm, mm, that reframe, so yeah. that ability to look at it, look at it differently. Yeah. It's interesting when you were saying that I was thinking about, um, you know, links to kind of social work in terms of looking at the world through the eyes of a child. Yeah. And how that's what I, you know, I um, support foster carers and adopters and kinship carers in terms of kind of best practice around caring for children who are in out of home care. Um, and a big part of that is the same thing. It's how can we look at the world through the eyes of a child, um, but also see how you come across. So how to see to see yourself through their eyes as well. So that's that whole process of that kind of reflective ability to see the world through their eyes, but also to imagine how they experience you and to adapt your behavior. You know, it kind of links back to that thing you were saying about the car analogy. And when you were describing that, I was thinking about a dance and it is about, you know, how you learn the steps and ultimately nobody, um, is born learning the steps to the parenting dance <laughs> that you have to learn that as you go and you know somebody takes a step and then somebody else responds and there is a kind of synchronicity and a response that that is quite similar to dance by the way I'm not a dancer <laughs> but uh, like I, I've heard it described yeah. like that before and I think that that yeah that that's how you work it out don't you you kind of if you can see it as you're you're learning this new dance together mm-hmm. it changes it it changes it that's a, that's a reframe hey yeah so maybe to come full circle in this conversation which i think has been beautiful and we've we've wove so many different angles in here <laughs> so let's come full circle for anyone who's listening mm. it's like okay well this has been a great conversation but where the hell do i go from here like how mm. do I start to get men or boys involved maybe mm. we can both share one two, three, mm. whatever magical number comes to you of mm. things that you've been doing. Cause I don't think either of us have fully the answer. We've just Mm-mm. had this experiment of like, we're testing this in our own homes. We're testing this in what we teach, but mm. what would be one to three things <laughs> just put yeah. that you've been putting into practice that you feel has been having an impact or a shift? Yeah. I think that's a really great way of, of trying to pull it all together the cycle tracking piece, I think, is a really interesting one that I work quite a few of the clients that I've worked with when that when I'm teaching them how to track their own cycle. And, you know, we, you start with a kind of um, the circular chart mm-hmm. that, that's kind of quite easy and visual that what a kind of unintended consequence that a few clients have, t- have told me has happened is that when they've shoved it on the fridge, to remind themselves to daily record how they're feeling on each different day of their cycle, their partners and their children have been able to see it. Mm-hmm. And that I think that in a sense is a really clever, helpful, simple way of creating a more cycle literate environment and cycle aware household and attitude, I guess, is that if you if you've got it there, then not only can people see where you are in your cycle, but you can start to have those kind of conversations with your partner and with children 
mm-hmm. I think that be might be my first one so kind of track overtly yeah <laughs> and you know interestingly one of my key ones that I use which is very similar to yours is I like the cycle circle like you're talking about but sometimes life just gets too busy. And one thing I've been doing lately, which seems to be really working in my household is whether you have a calendar like that you just bought Mm. that has the 12 Mm -hmm. months in it, or you just Mm -hmm. print off the month on my day one, I highlight seven days with four different colors, right? So for my period, Mm -hmm. I use orange and it's like, this Mm -hmm. is the week of my menstruation or my inner winter. This is my spring. This is my summer. And this is my fall. And I pre-plan the month without words yet. I just like, as soon as I start to bleed, I know that I just highlight seven days and I do another seven and another seven, and another seven in different colors. And that's our visual aid in the household. It's my visual aid when I'm on the phone and someone's like, hey, do you want to do a play date? And I'm like, not that day. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's also a really quick reference for my husband, for him to look. Mm. And I And I always do it at the top of the line, but- for I was thinking about this when my daughter starts to bleed it'd be nice for her to have like a line maybe Mm. at the bottom so that they can see where I'm at and where that she's at and it might be different colors and it Mm. just kind of shifts the perception it's worked really well in my house because it's just really easy Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but for women that are like I want a quick visual aid you can just do this on the calendar so Mm -hmm. I love that yeah and if you've got a shared calendar, pop it up. Yeah, that's a brilliant example. I love that. And pick four um, different colors. So it's really just color coded. Yeah. And then it looks pretty. And who yeah. doesn't love that? I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I love that. And I guess the other one, the other one that I was just going to say was about what you were saying, what we were saying earlier about curiosity, that uh-huh. just that, that just being curious and not thinking you have to know everything, um, uh-huh. I think is really key. Um the co-investigative curious approach mm-hmm. um and the last one I guess is just it's all you know three is the magic number yeah the, the the third one is just about that openness in terms of you know if you are a person with a period just to have that um to have your period products lying around you know that that's so important to have that openness in terms of you know, it may not be your your thing to leave your used period pants in the shower. Fine. <laughs> but actually in terms of having, you know, just being really open about products and being open about periods, I just think creates or really challenges that shame. Yeah, totally. For me, another big one is, oh, there's, there's they kind of piggyback off of each, each other, these two, but I think it's really important for a, for my husband to learn, but then also for my daughter to witness. So that way she can start to use it is once, like you said, with the circle, once you start charting your two words or how you're feeling each day is that you get to know your pattern quite well. And so mm. for me, like, I know when I need to set boundaries. And so it's not a contention point and it's not a big ask in our house for mm. me to call my husband on day one of my cycle. If it magically just starts in the middle of the day to call and say, listen, you're on supper duty tonight. My period started. Like, it's not like, Mm. are you joking me? Like I've got plans. Like it's none of that. It's just like, okay, got it. Right. Like it's now become a routine in our house because I know my cycle and I know what I need. So it's very easy for me to set those boundaries of, and it's, it's created an expectation in our house. Just like, oh, I know he needs Tuesday nights for basketball. He knows Mm. that I need these on certain days, but it's just, it's what how, how it, it is. works, right? And so when you get to know your cycle, you get to know what your medicine is, and you need get to mm. be able to ask for that or set mm. boundaries around it. Which, mm. like last week, 
my kids wanted to play date. And I was like, no, sorry, mm. guys, I do not have the energy for it. Right. And so mm. it was easy for me not to say mommy's burnt out is me to say, no, I'm in my inner fall. You guys, like, mm-hmm. I just don't have the capacity to be able to do it. Mm. And they get it. Mm. My second tip is that once just like how, how, you know, your cycle, you know what you need. So you can ask for those expectations. Once you know, your cycle for my third point would be, is, you know, where your weaknesses are Mm -hmm. and you can better navigate those weaknesses. So for me, Mm -hmm. I know I get super triggered and I have tendencies of wanting super organization in my house before my period comes. Like Mm -hmm. I cannot handle that. You didn't put the pots in the drawer properly. And I'll probably (laughs) make it feel like it's world war three in this household. Mm -hmm. So I know that I get super sensitive with mess and disorganization and sound. And so I've prepared myself for that in the sense that if my husband triggers me, which he usually does in my premenstrual because Mm -hmm. of some expectation that I had, that's not really fair is that I do not pick a fight with him. Mm -hmm. I, as much as I want to, (laughs) I tell myself, (laughs) this is going to get you nowhere because you're going to explode. He's going to explode back because he's going to feel triggered. And so even if it's a bigger conflict, I wait until I'm in ovulation. I hold back if I have to, I'll write it in a journal or something. So I don't, I feel like then I won't forget it. (laughs) My entitlement, I am not going to forget how you were not supportive of me. And the way I'm not going to let that go. I'm just not going to deal with it now. (laughs) And then I wait till ovulation because then ovulation is so much better. Mm. And I find we have a stronger relationship and way better conflict resolution if I can bite my tongue for two weeks and come out then because I'm way better at expressing how I actually felt and why it made me feel that way. And sometimes the two week wait also diminishes some of the intensity of it. (laughs) But I can also hear his rebuttal. Like I mm-hmm. have open mm-hmm. capacity to hear for here mm-hmm. to hear him and what he has to share about that experience mm-hmm. and why he did something. And I find that we just, we meet each other so much better. We walk away from the discussion, feeling loved and held and supported. Like it's just way different for me knowing what my weakness is. My other big weakness, I can't, like you said, sound amplifies the days before my period. I can't eat dinner with my family. I actually go to another room and eat my supper (laughs) and not because I don't like them, but those three days before my period, it just feels like I can hear everybody chewing like, Mm -hmm. and they're not chewing loud. It's like they're doing it on purpose just to, I know. Scraping of the forks. What is that about with the hearing? I I am going to do what I'm going to thank you for that because I am now going to justifiably give myself permission to go and eat it on my own. <laughs> and, you, and my other thing with it too, and I tell my family this, is that because they're all excited about to talk about their day. My husband likes to joke around a lot. And so then he gets the kids riled and everyone's like full of energy. And I'm just like, I want to, I want quiet. So mm-hmm. I just always say, in order for you guys to enjoy your meal, I need to go enjoy my somewhere else. <laughs> you guys talk about that. your day. You guys be silly. I don't care what you do at this kitchen table, but I'm going to go eat on a different floor in a different room by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone has a better day everyone's fine I love everyone that I mean that that is like cycle syncing to the max I love it I love that I've never heard that about saving fights up for for the, your ovulation I mean uh-huh. that is real commitment and dedication talk about holding the tension yeah. like I am but- see I am too like bah! I'm too like I'm gonna tell you right now how I feel <laughs> I cannot we'll wait discuss to this my- again in my ovulation <laughs> <laughs> no I like I'm like I need to put it to bed now I I, I really admire that ability that patience that to hold that because I am too respond my 
my authority is to respond in human design and that is what I do <laughs> yes and so when we flip that though it's also good for dads or potentially brothers but I don't think brothers can hold this as well but dads no. to hold it of going she's in this phase is this mm. going to do me any justice right now mm. to have this argument with her or should I wait until mm. like seven days from now and then say okay I know when you, you know when this, I yeah. when I reflect on it like even yesterday we had some kids over at our house and my daughter she was pushing boundaries and she knew she was because she knows that I will not shame her in front of her friends right so she was doing things that she knows were borderline enough to create a little bit of angst in me and so I did not call her out in front of her friends. I just let her have her time. And then this morning, I was like, just so you know, that did not go over my head. <laughs> I was fully aware of it, but I did not say anything in front of your friends because I did not want to shame you. And I did not want you to feel bad in front of your friends, but know that that's not okay. And no, she was sorry. like, you know what? You're right. And I'm really sorry, mom. And I was like, thank you. Oh. And then that was the end of it, right? But I had to hold back. And I think as dads with menstruating teenagers, this is a hard one for them, but they have to haul mm. it in, hold it mm. in and just be like, this is going to create something way like, this is not going to be something. It's not gonna be a learning moment if we do it now. No. And to get trigger. curious and to think what's this, what's underneath this behavior, where might my child or young person be in their cycle and how might that mean that they're showing up today? Yeah. yeah. I hear you. I think that's really clever. And also just to pick up on something else that you said, know your own medicine. I loved it when you said that, like, I just think that's such a powerful yeah. sentence that that's what it teaches us. Hey? Yes, I know. And there's so much wisdom here for us all to live together. Mm. so women take this conversation <laughs> teach your daughters it and mm. then start to think about how you can filter it into your life with your husbands and your mm. and your sons of like what how do we want them to go into the world being supportive because we can do that not, we can create that yeah and it's not just we their can daughters. create that world yeah it's their co-workers it's their sisters it's their mothers it's the 50% of the population that they're going to have to interact with. The right? menstrual allies. Yeah. Here's, here's, for the menstru- here's to the menstrual allies. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, well, thank you, Hannah. This has been a beautiful conversation. I have enjoyed it so, so much. Thank so you for coming same. back on again. Thank you for inviting me. I've loved it. I always love talking to you, Kate. But yeah, I think we've covered some ground again, hey? <laughs> I know. I know. This might have to be a quarterly thing. <laughs> I'd love to I'd love to talk to you again. But yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Are you excited about aligning to your cycle? If so, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast and like the episode if it really resonated with you. Until next time, remember, womb wisdom equals connection to self, which ultimately equals inspired living.